0: It's Friday, October 28th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by the men and women of Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, I sit down with Fairfax County Police Chief Kevin Davis to talk about an issue that doesn't get the kind of coverage that some may feel it deserves, the safety of walking along the streets. Fairfax has lost 18 pedestrians so far this year, which he says could mean new traffic laws should be considered.
1: Certainly automated speed enforcement is something that's coming to Northern Virginia. It's something that's coming to the Fairfax County.
0: And while focuses on big cases out of Fairfax County that we talk about, like the killing of Hannah Choi and yesterday's arrest of a bus driver who was suspected of driving kids on a school bus while drunk, Davis says there's work going on to stop smaller incidents like car theft, which is the leading crime in the county.
1: When we started that squad at the end of March, beginning of April, we were up in stolen cars by about 46 percent. And now we're up about 10 percent.
0: Thanks for joining us. I'm Megan Cloherty. Luke is off today. Wednesday night, 40-year-old Elise Ballard was trying to cross the road, taking her chances by zipping across busy Route 7 outside the crosswalk just before 10 o'clock, when she was hit by a speeding driver. Police say that when the driver of the 2017 Infinity SUV hit her, that driver pulled over to call for help, but then she was hit again by another car. Ballard died in the road, and that was obviously shut down for hours for an investigation afterwards. This comes days after an SUV driver hit a 52-year-old woman in Lorton, and a 63-year-old woman was hit off West Ox Road a few days before that. Elise Ballard is the 17th person to die in a crash so far this year as a pedestrian in Fairfax County. And with me now is Chief Kevin Davis of the Fairfax County Police Department. He graciously came in to talk about this problem that Fairfax is facing when it comes to pedestrian safety. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Megan. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's talk about the the Ballard accident and sort of the circumstances of that, because she was outside the crosswalk, which then it's like, okay, well, you shouldn't do that, but... 17 people in this just this year, it makes you kind of wonder what's going on.
1: Yeah, Megan, actually it's 18 pedestrians. Is it? 18. So, um, you know, we we take great interest in in all pedestrians that that, um, are struck by motor vehicles, whether they're struck non-fatally or fatally. Right. And while our overall pedestrian crashes are down this year compared to last, we have a a marked increase in pedestrian fatalities. So we're at 18. And, you know... They, they, they kind of have some common themes. Okay. And, and it's important for, for your listeners to know what some of those themes are, I think. And, and that's why I, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to share some statistics because I think the statistics can in, inform our behaviors. So yeah. 12 of our 18 pedestrians who have been killed this year are 40 and older. And you know, hmm. that might go against some assumptions folks have about uh, a profile, if you will. There is no profile. Uh, but
0: Right. It's like not the, they're not all teenagers just trying no, to beat the traffic. No, it's 11
1: like... of our 18, Megan, are, are females. Okay. So far this year, 11 of our 18 have been determined to be at fault in the crash. And, and certainly uh, that's sometimes tough to talk about because they're no longer with us. But right. um, 10 of our 18 uh, fatali- fatalities, uh, they, the pedestrians have been outside of the crosswalk. So it's really, really important to drive home than absolute necessity to look for the crosswalk, to find the crosswalk, and to to cross when it's safe to do so, and and to wear some reflective, bright clothing. It's, you know, we're almost hitting, you know, we're we're gonna be falling back another hour really soon, so. uh,
0: The amount of accidents that we see jump up from the WTOP Traffic Center, when you have that sort of glaring sun in the afternoon, it's harder to see, and then people are wearing dark clothing and you're not expecting them to be there, it's awful though, to your point about blaming the pedestrian, I mean shouldn't we all just be driving slower and looking?
1: absolutely, more? <laughs> we should drive less distracted we should we should slow down, we should be more aware and uh, my good friend Chief Rob Conti was just on the news yesterday talking about um you know some Halloween tips, and a lot of the Halloween tips are consistent with some of the really? recommendations that I have about pedestrian safety uh you You really have to walk where it's lit, uh, look for crosswalks where. Bright and reflective clothing, and, and if you can avoid being in those dark places at night, you, you you should. But to our drivers, slow down, pay attention, get off your phone, uh, don't text and drive. Uh, our motors unit yesterday um, was was out and about throughout Fairfax County, and they wrote 280 citations in one day. For what? Uh, speed, uh, distracted driving, particularly folks on their on their cell phones,
0: mm. um,
1: unsafe lane changes. So I, I spoke to a judge a few months ago, and he told me that he has seen, especially during COVID and even post-COVID, uh, less folks on his, on his docket for traffic offenses. But he did say that the hmm. speeds he's seeing of the motorists that we are citing are higher than he can ever remember. So we're making a concerted effort in Fairfax County. Hmm. Uh, we're gonna write you tickets if you speed, if you make unsafe lane changes, if you tailgate, uh, if you drive distracted, Uh, The end of 2022 and certainly throughout 2023, traffic enforcement is going to be a a top priority for the Fairfax County Police Department. Too many people are
0: dying. In the case of Elise Ballard, she was hit. The driver then pulls over like into a parking lot nearby to call for help. But she's still in the road. And then someone else hit her, probably not seeing that she was there. If you are in a scenario where you see someone has been hit or... There's something in front of you, you know what I mean, that's in the road that someone should know about. As a driver, what do you do? Do you, like, block yeah. lanes? Dri-
1: drivers panic. Um, you know, hopefully that's something that, that doesn't happen to, to folks, right. uh, if ever, uh, or, or, or rarely. But but don't panic. Stay where you are. And if you have the ability to render aid, uh, render aid to the person that you just struck. That You might be able to save that person's life, particularly if there's there's bleeding. And you can stop the bleeding and call 911. Yeah. But stay where you are. Put your hazards on. Make sure your lights are on. Okay. Stay where you are. Sometimes people panic and, and they drive away. Uh, that's happened on more than one occasion. Right. But but we are uh, we've actually in 2022 versus um, 2021 we've written six thousand more citations this year compared to last, and we've issued seven thousand more warnings this year compared to last.
0: Does that make a difference?
1: Uh, it. We've have about four hundred fewer crashes overall. Oh. But, but what we're seeing, though, you know, we have fewer pedestrian crashes this year compared to last, but we have more deaths. So it's, it's the huh. speed of the motorists uh, and, and certainly the, the decisions uh, pedestrians make. And they're not intentionally making bad decisions. No, no one wants to get struck by a, a motor vehicle, but they're, they're being careless. And, and they're thinking uh, that, they can, that they can prevail in a collision with a motor vehicle, and, and you just can't. The human body is way too fragile.
0: Um, Let's talk about Route 7 because it's a busy area. Obviously, you know, there's businesses there. There's apartment buildings there. There's a lot more there than used to be there. Um, And it's no surprise there's more foot traffic. What can be done to better protect pedestrians? I mean, is it the police's job just to sit along Route 7 and ticket people? or How do you make—
1: You know, we don't have the capacity to sit anywhere. Right. Whether it's uh, traffic offenses or or crime trends and patterns. But uh, we're working with the Fairfax County— FC. Department of Transportation to see what we can do if there are our environmental designs that we can alter. Um, you know what can we do to like speed
0: cameras or something like that?
1: Well, certainly, automated speed enforcement is something that's coming to Northern Virginia. It's something that's coming to, to Fairfax County. But if we can, um, you know, take a look at the crosswalks and make sure that they're uh, they're up to date in terms of being freshly marked. If there's mm-hmm. some type of reflective um, things that we can do for for the roadway. Uh, Fairfax County is committed to doing that because right now we're sitting at 18 pedestrian deaths. That's way too high. Yeah, the bulk of them have really occurred since it's been getting darker earlier, and we're about to go into a period with, uh, you know, coming up I think this weekend or next, mm-hmm. where we're falling back another hour. So it's mm-hmm. going to get darker even earlier, and it kind of coincides. This message coincides, and I mentioned Chief Conti. It coincides with with Halloween. Uh, make make sure that it, you you wear some reflective clothing. Uh, there's all types of things you can do to put devices on your clothing, whether you're walking or running or, or, or on a bicycle, and, and our bicycle crashes and our bicycle fatal our basic, bicycle fatalities are at zero this year, so that's, that's some great. good news.
0: Yeah, that's great. So
1: that's really good news, and and I stood with the chairman uh, Jeff McKay recently, and we held a a, a news conference to talk about um, uh, bicycle safety. And I, I even. And, and I'm still recovering. I rode 19 miles on a bicycle last weekend. And, oh. and uh, su- uh, Supervisor Dan Stork has an, has an annual uh, bike tour, and, and I did that. And
0: uh, You're still- I- I'm
1: glad it was 19 miles and not 20. Well,
0: was I think it? that was the day we had Jeff McKay in here, um, and it was a really good interview if you all want to go back and listen to it. But uh, that was the Take a Moment campaign, I believe. Is, take is, a Moment. Is, Absolutely. is that
1: it? Take a Moment. And, and really, the Take a Moment was geared toward uh, motorists. Take a moment and realize that there could be a bicyclist, not only crossing in front of you, but right next to
0: you. Right, like coming up like, quickly, right, right and you next don't see them. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so yeah, that and that take a moment campaign coincides with what we're going to be doing bigger and better with pedestrian safety. Everybody should take a moment, slow down, um, get here early, like I did for this interview. Right. Yes, I, you surprised I took a me. I, I was early.
0: <laughs> you you <laughs> I surprised you me in my moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder, too, I mean, if you look at other jurisdictions, D.C., for example, is changing its laws that you can no longer take a right on red eventually. And they're starting to put up signs already um, because of that idea that someone, you know, is going to quickly whip around that corner and not see there's a bike next to them or a pedestrian crossing. The
1: thing I like about that law change is when we know we can stop on red and then turn on red after we look, we're more inclined to go uh, into that turn and then stop. So just think about where your two front tires are when you're preparing to stop. Yeah. Hopefully, completely stop and then turn red. You're gonna go up a little bit into that turn and sometimes that's where the crosswalk is. That's where the pedestrian is, that's where the bicyclist is. So so I really like that the D C took that move. I, I know Fairfax County will consider any and everything that we can, whether it's legislation or environmental yeah. design. Or enforcement. Enforcement's a piece of it, but but education is kind of the big picture.
0: Do you think that that would, should be a law in Fairfax County? I mean, would that make things safer?
1: I think anything should be considered that makes our roadways safer for both uh, pedestrians and bicyclists and motor vehicles.
0: Um, I was looking on Twitter because uh, Fairfax County often tweets, you know, this is the area we're responding to right now. This is what we have, um, the initial details of an investigation. And when it came to Elise Ballard's story, uh, there's a ton of comments on there from people who are genuinely concerned about that area, the Route 7 area in Falls Church. Um, One person suggested a pedestrian bridge be constructed over Route 7, similar to the one that just opened over 495 between Leesburg Pike and Chain Bridge Road in the Tysons area, which actually is also bike friendly. Um, would you be open to that or do you think you have any influence with the Board of super, Supervisors saying, hey, like these are really bad areas in our community. Yeah, yeah. This is where we need to make some changes infrastructure well, wise.
1: Yeah, we're, we're one big team. Uh, and I, I recently before I drove over here to uh, the glass uh, enclosed nerve center. Is it still called that? It is still I, called uh, that. Uh, I, I was with uh, Supervisor Penny Gross, and we were having the conversation of what more can we do now? We is not just the police. It's the government's FC dot. Um, it's so many other, other, other partners. Uh, so we're willing to do and look and consider anything that makes our roadway safer. You know, how crowded Fairfax County is. I think, you know, conservatively 1.3 million residents. Uh, and then you add people into the equation who who work here and commute and drive through Fairfax County. It's the area's most populated jurisdiction. And and we need to continue to lead the way when it comes to uh, safety measures. And and Fairfax County has always been proud to do that. You know, we, we have the largest motorcycle unit in the, in the metropolitan area when it comes to police departments. Mm. And, you know, we so far this year when it comes to DUI enforcement, I'm more than happy to talk about the, the bus driver yesterday. Very sad story. But uh, we arrest three and a half, 3.5 um, people a day for, for drunk driving. 3.5. 3. So 5 a half a person? A half a person. You know, it's, it's math. <laughs>
0: um,
1: but, okay, but, but so a that, po- that's a big Average of three, well. three people
0: a day, issue. Yeah. And,
1: and yesterday, the, the school bus driver that we arrested, um, I don't know if you know this, I, I, I think Jackie Benson reported it on Channel 4, but yeah. his blood alcohol content was 0.20. That's outrageous. So and this is the story, yeah,
0: right. this is the story of a, a school bus driver who was it was a charter bus basically that a DC elementary school, middle school, uh, merch school basically elementary school. Yeah. yeah, hired the bus company to take the kids to a pumpkin patch and back and he ends up going off the road, hitting a rock. Yeah. You know, I mean, thank God nothing worse happened, but it was yeah. y- you see a school bus accident and right. you get very nervous and it ended up that he had a a blood alcohol level, I mean, what? It was like one and a half times, right?
1: 0.20, yeah.
0: Over what? More than twice.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and then, you know, we suspect he he may have been um, smoking marijuana as well, so that's all under investigation. His license was actually revoked in Virginia because of a previous DWI, and his license was suspended in the state of Maryland. So there's no way on God's green earth he should have been driving that school bus. And there were 44 kids you know, Young children on that bus, and some of them suffered some bumps and bruises. It happened right next to our police academy, Megan. So when that bus was out of service, the bus that was with it couldn't accommodate the additional children. So we brought all the kids to our police academy, and they got to, to hang out with a bunch of Fairfax County cops for a couple hours. And we ended up getting them home. But what a long day for those kids and, the, and those yeah. parents. And, and all because the, the school wanted to do something nice for those children that they, they'll probably remember forever and take them to a pumpkin patch. Right. And that's a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. Um, but but the, the adults who are charged with our children's safety uh, have to be vetted, have to be scrutinized. And it's, it's outrageous behavior to, to drive drunk, period. But especially when you're transporting 44 kids.
0: What happens? Obviously, we know this uh, driver is facing charges. What about the company that allowed him to drive? Yeah, I
1: think that's all going to be part of the investigation mm-hmm. um, or certainly the review. Um, but yeah, he, he should never be behind a wheel, whether it's a bus or a motor vehicle. Again, he's lost that privilege. And, wow. and driving is a privilege. It's not a right.
0: Yeah. Just to finalize this, this pedestrian education effort, I mean, are there certain areas that you think, gosh, I'd take another second before I cross that street? There's
1: a few clusters, Route 1 and Centerville and Reston. There's uh, the pedestrian and motor vehicle crashes are, are spread throughout Fairfax County. Right. Uh, but there are certainly some trends and patterns and where you see more people walking. Uh, That's where you're going to have more, particularly of the pedestrian crash and and fatal and non-fatal issues.
0: Wondering about um, the Silver Line extension. So we we don't have a date yet. Um, We were all eager to hear one yesterday. (laughs) We didn't get one. But um, hopefully the Silver Line extension will be opening around Thanksgiving, which just means more traffic and more pedestrians around those specific stations, right? Right. Um, Obviously, this is a Metro Transit police issue but when it comes to the roads around the stations, that's you guys. That's us. Um, what, are you preparing at all? Is there more patrol expected in yeah. like, cause again, you know, for the holidays, it's gonna be crazier.
1: Yeah, M- Mike Gonzalo is the police chief of the Metropolitan Transit Police Department. And he sends one of his captains, a guy named Rob Brewer. And I've known Mike Gonzalo, Chief Gonzalo, and the captain that he sends to our weekly crime meetings routinely. I mean, we discuss these issues. What's gonna be the impact of the extended Silver Line? We talk all the time about what's going on uh, in and around Tyson's. So we've had some uh, some great successes because of our partnership with Metro Transit uh, Authority Police Department. That's a mouthful. Sometimes It I, is a sometimes lot. Sometimes I twist it. Um, <laughs> uh, but they do a great job with, with outreach to the affected police departments, and, and our relationship couldn't be stronger with them. And, and, and from that, we should have a, a safer environment, whether it's motor vehicles, uh uh, crashes whether it's robberies whether it's uh, automobile thefts mm. thefts from automobiles that's the biggest crime it's the thefts from the from motor vehicles and we've had some successes ba- based on our partnership with with metro transit
0: um are there areas that you haven't seen a lot of activity that n- now will see much more activity when those stations open
1: I, i'm not sure okay uh, it's I'm hard to tell sure. yeah, it, it is hard to tell it's hard to tell the impact and and the interest you know one of the things we we always try to do is, is you know predictive analysis yeah some people say is pie in the sky but it's really not because crime trends and patterns move because if police are effective in one area with enforcement or education it, it's going to move and I'm thinking particularly the the theft of automobiles and and we've done really really well this year because we created for the first time a full-time auto theft team right uh, the a squad uh Auto Crimes Enforcement Squad. They've,
0: did you just name it that so you could call it the A-Squad? Well, they,
1: they, they wanted to call it the A-Squad, and I said, it's <laughs> a cool name, but you got to live up to your cool name, and you got to reduce auto thefts in Fairfax County, and they have. When we started that squad at the end of March, beginning of April, we were up in stolen cars by about 46%. Yikes. And now we're up about 10%. So they've greatly slowed the rate of auto thefts. And we did something else unique, and we formed a Catalytic Converter Task Force because catalytic converters and the precious metals are worth so much. yeah, We've greatly slowed the thefts of catalytic converters. Uh, and that is such
0: an interesting crime because it takes like 10 seconds to get those things. Absolutely. It's and, so fast. And
1: we've partnered with some some local body shops, and they're, they're engraving some catalytic converters for folks. Of course you think it can never happen to you, but it, it can happen to
0: engraving you. Engraving them? They
1: engrave them with um, ident- identifying marks so we can recover them and tie them to a particular crime so we can charge someone with that crime. Like a VIN? Uh, a or van, what? or Social Security number, driver's license number. Uh, huh. But yeah, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. So, so we've had some successes with that, and we've made some some arrests um, with, with that as well. So, you know, when a crime trend and pattern kind of sneaks up on you, you you've got to do something proactive um, to stop it. Because, you know, the weather, Megan, is inevitable. Crime is not inevitable. That's where the police can do something about it. So, we have to be proactive.
0: People are bringing their cars in to be engraved while the catalytic so converter are still in our, there? Our or?
1: district commanders, several of our district commanders have identified body shops in their patrol districts. So what we ask them to do, and they do it out of the goodness of their hearts, is they'll, they'll engrave like your driver's license number on your catalytic converter. So if someone steals your catalytic converter and we later find it in the back of someone's trunk or, or truck, yeah, we'll be able to tie that catalytic converter back to, to you. It's good. It's good. It's a good community partnership, business partnership, and, and we're proud to do it. I'm sure other jurisdictions are doing it as well.
0: Coming up after the break, I continue my conversation with Chief Davis, talking specifically about where the investigation into Hannah Choi's killing stands and what role police play in the upcoming elections. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. Back now with Fairfax County Police Chief Kevin Davis um, talking about teen crime, possibly car crime. They're kind of intertwined. Um, Last night, someone shot out the windows of more than 11 cars in Falls Church and 50 in nearby Arlington with a BB gun. It seems like a harmless teen crime, but if it's you and it's your car, it's expensive and annoying. And it also kind of gives people a sense of, like, Am I not safe in my neighborhood? What's going yeah. on here? What yeah. what's with that investigation? Think, what's being done about that?
1: So that that's underway right now. Inevitably, we'll get tips from the community about that. Anytime something like that happens, we tend to get tips. But anytime the sanctity of your home yeah. or your car uh, is violated, it makes you feel differently about where you live. It really does. I, I always, you know, one of my one of my several sayings is, you know, if your if your car is stolen or broken into, or if your house is broken into or if you have graffiti and blight in your neighborhood, it, it, it makes you consider putting up a for sale sign in your front yard. Yeah, absolutely. So those crimes matter. Not all those crimes make the 6 o'clock news, but those are the crimes that matter. And, you know, we're committed. Uh, and, again, you mentioned earlier that, earlier that Fairfax County is the safest, largest jurisdiction in the country, and we still are, present tense. So when you take the 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 raw number of crimes that you divided into our huge population, that's where you come up with that ranking. It doesn't mean that we're we're resting on our laurels, or it doesn't mean we're not striving to, to get better. But we do enjoy a relatively low crime rate, given our population, but we have so much more to do. We, yeah. we don't have the carjackings in Fairfax County that other jurisdictions have. So far this year, we have 19 carjackings compared to 15 uh, at the same time last year. So the, those numbers pale in comparison to, to some, some other jurisdictions, and it's something that we just have to continue to, to keep to keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, young people who go out with their peers, and there's an element of peer pressure associated with it as well, and then they have access to firearms, and they choose to carry guns, bad things happen. If you right. remember the name Noah Settles, Noah Settles was the one who fired several shots inside of Tyson's on a Saturday afternoon uh, this past summer, mm-hmm. and thank God Noah Settles didn't didn't hit anyone, and, and he's still incarcerated, no bond awaiting trial, but that could have been much, much worse. So. Something goes on in a, in a young person and it's typically a young man's thought process. I'm going to go out today and uh, I may or may not do someone harm, but I'm going to carry a gun with me. So that the access to that firearm uh, really makes what would otherwise be a verbal confrontation or uh, you know, in the days gone by, a fist fight turn into yeah. gunplay. Gun and, that, and that's that's where society is right now.
0: Um, juvenile crime on on the whole it's something, as you mentioned, that other jurisdictions really are struggling with. And I think we talked about domestic crime and involving um, juveniles more so than than it had in the past in your county. Is that still the case? So
1: our young people are disproportionately involved in thefts from automobiles. And we just put out some really good uh, Ring doorbell footage, I think last night, on social media. Uh, but theft from automobiles and, and automobile thefts are disproportionately committed by young people, not mm-hmm. just here in Fairfax County, but, but anywhere. But I think public safety, law enforcement in particular, you know, we're charged with interrupting criminal behaviors. And I think the larger criminal justice system has to really focus on how do you, after we interrupt that behavior, how do you stop it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's incarceration, sometimes it's rehabilitation, sometimes it's both. But interrupting that criminal misconduct is, is so important for our communities.
0: Um, Fairfax County, I mean, speaking of interruption, Fairfax County has school resource officers. A lot of areas have done away with those. Um, I'm interested to ask about last month when a lot of high school uh, kids walked out of school in response to Governor Youngkin's move to uh, change the Board of Education's policies when it comes to parents' rights and how transgender children are treated or identify or, you know, their rights in school. Um, what kind of role, if anything, did school resource officers play on that day? And when it comes to sort of that civil disobedience that uh, kids want to take part in, are they preventing? Are they interrupting? Are they trying to facilitate it? How does that work? I think
1: the biggest thing school resource officers do here in Fairfax and elsewhere is is we have a a presence. So we have 52 school resource officers in Fairfax County. It's the gold standard SRO program in the country. And, And I don't say that lightly. It's really the best of the best. And the conversation about getting SROs out of the schools uh, never occurred with me in the room. Uh, And I don't know of any elected officials in Fairfax County who ever seriously had that conversation. And I think that's only because they're so well aware of the quality of our school resource officer program. It's not uncommon every year to have a school resource officer be chosen by the students to be a commencement speaker at an academy graduation. That's but, cool. Uh, that's, that's big That's big stuff. So yeah. So it works here. I think it works elsewhere, and whether it's uh, Alexandria or Montgomery, you can see they've kind of made a U-turn away from that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes when we're in, a, we're in the midst of, you know, all the conversations that occurred during and following the summer of 2020, uh, probably necessary conversations, but some decisions were made uh, ultimately that probably weren't the best for public safety, and, and, you know, I remain, and I think Fairfax County generally, remains a big proponent of having public safety in our schools. Uh, AVI threats, active violence incident threats, uh, those occur uh, more often than they ever have. Yeah. And and our police officers are in the schools to to interact with students and take those tips so we can act upon them to, to stop things before they go boom.
0: Um, shifting over to some past crimes that I just want to touch on and kind of see where things stand. Um, I don't think you'll be surprised that I'm asking about the investigation into Hannah Choi's killing. Um, For our listeners, she was a 35-year-old woman whose body was found in Prince George's County in a park um, this past spring. She went missing in March after she and her boyfriend, who she'd just broken up with, had like a goodbye dinner, and then the next day she was gone. Uh, 35-year-old Joel Marino is charged in her death. And back in May, you said you believe you knew where he was, but there was a question of you know, finding him, basically. Um, where does this investigation stand right now? So,
1: so I knew, Megan, you were going to ask me back that, uh, about that, and I'm glad you did. So he actually pronounces his name Joel. Okay, so thank you. Joel Marino. Uh, he's wanted. We have an arrest warrant for second-degree murder uh, for Joel Marino. Uh, we know where he is. Uh, we can't get to him right now. And that's kind of cryptic. Uh, but that would probably imply at least to you and your listeners that he uh, may or may not be in the country. Right. So we're working with federal officials to, uh, to take Joel Marino into custody. Uh, that case is closed in so much as we have a warrant for his arrest. We don't have him yet in custody. And there are a lot of people working at the the federal and local levels to make sure that happens. I I, want to close that for Hannah Choi's family. Um, just like anyone else. And I'm looking forward to breaking that uh, on your show, if I can, if I can.
0: Well, I appreciate that. I mean, the, the it must be, and maybe you won't comment on this, but it must be really frustrating to know who your guy is who obviously deserves a trial and to, to see if, you know, he's convicted. He's still innocent until proven guilty. But... If you can't get your hands on him and you know who it is and you want that closure, how hard is that from a law enforcement perspective?
1: Well, it's probably harder for the families than it is for us. I mean we, we, oh, of course. I mean yeah, we, we've done uh, everything we, we can or we did everything we could to identify him and that was a tough case. Uh, now, and now he's wanted. So it's, it's a matter of uh, closure is probably not the best word because I think that's a more of a journey than it is a destination, but it's a step along the way, yeah um, for the family. Yeah. So, so we want to see him in a pair of handcuffs in, in Fairfax County. Um, you know that that relationship between uh, Joelle Marino and, and Hannah Choi. You know, so far this year we have 19 homicides in Fairfax County. Uh, we had exactly 19 this same time last year as well. Hmm. But um, nine of our 19, Megan, are domestic related, and that's not inconsistent hmm. with where we were last year. Seven of our 21, because we've ended. 2021 with 21 homicides, uh, a third of them, seven out of 21, were adult children living at home with their parents who they ended up killing in their homes. So consistent with last year, we're still seeing domestic-related homicides at a higher rate than years gone by. Hmm. So the, the the killers are known to their to their victims, and if it's uh, if it's not a uh, relationship inside the home, it's a it's a former relationship. Uh, it's an estranged relationship, but those are always frustrating because somewhere along the way, a family member or a friend is going to tell us, and this is what typically happens, and this is normal pretty much anywhere, uh, I knew this was going to happen. I suspected this might happen.
0: Ooh, what a horrible feeling to have. It's a bad feeling.
1: It really is. So that's why we encourage people. Our domestic uh, violence calls for service, Megan, this year, just compared to last, as I read without my reading glasses, um, Assaults on family members by family members are up twenty percent this year.
0: What do you attribute that to? Is it just? You know, I mean,
1: last year I, I kind of I contemplated the notion of the impact of COVID and the coronavirus, anxiety, depression, uh, isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it feels like we're coming out of that that moment, but maybe we're not. Maybe we have one foot still in in, in the coronavirus mode. Yeah. Um,
0: I wonder how much the economy plays a role because when people start, you know. Having to move in with their families and things get expensive and whatever you put people together who maybe shouldn't be together. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I don't want to. You know, there's speculation. Right. There's no point in that, but right. it well, is well, interesting. This, that the same domestic goes with our earlier
1: topic about um, the the speed of, of motorists now. So even the law enforcement has in in the national capital region, I, and I, I'm guessing it's probably the right guess that all of us have probably written less traffic citations uh, during COVID. Uh, but it's the uh the ones that we are writing the the speed and, and not only the speed but the but the aggressive driving and by aggressive driving unsafe lane changes uh, tailgating and and excessive speed those mm-hmm. are um, disproportionately out of whack hmm. and, and does that have something to do with this this whole isolation era uh, as well the great resignation yes you know, some people ask me the same questions about why aren't people applying to be police officers and one of my well, my first answer, Megan, is if there was only one answer to that, we would have solved it by now. Yeah. But there are many, many factors.
0: Okay, this is going back to a case that was far before you uh, took the helm, what, a year and a half ago now, huh? A
1: year and a half, yeah.
0: Um, Bijan Gazar is killing. Um, in June, we learned that the DOJ is de- going to decline to reopen a probe into the U.S. Park Police shooting of Bijan Um That crime really, I mean, not only rocked our region, but rocked the community. Your department um, was very transparent in trying to, you know, not only push for the solving of that crime, but the release of evidence um, from the dash cam that uh, Fairfax released of that incident. That happened under your predecessor, but I wonder after the fact, you know, now that this decision has been made, do you think that incident has changed how Fairfax County police interact with U.S. Park Police?
1: You know, um <sighs> I've had personally a a long relationship with the U.S. Park Police. And as a young uh, SWAT operator in Prince George's County, um, Maryland, on their police department, I attended the U.S. Park Police Helicopter Repel School. Uh, I I know a number of their uh, now retired uh, commanders and and police officers. And just a few months ago, Megan, their uh, police chief, and her name is escaping me now, and I apologize to her if she's listening. But she was actually the uh, keynote speaker at our academy class graduation. While she was the U.S. Park Police Department uh, police chief, hmm. so I, I think the relationships uh, at the at the top and and certainly amongst cops and detectives, you know, cops and detectives interact every day, absent politics.
0: Well, I was wondering that. How often do you work together? If you, I mean, they kind of well, border G, you. G.W. But... Parkway. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah. It, it, it's occasional. Um, it, it's occasional. But I, I don't think a singular incident uh, will will uh, ultimately destroy a relationship. It might cause some tense moments. But you know one of the things that we've done in the last year and a half is we've, we've uh, uh, widely advertised uh, our policy that we will uh, release body-worn camera footage following every officer-involved shooting. Now, other jurisdictions do that as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've had six officer-involved shootings so far this year, and we average 1.5 a year. So six is higher than normal. There's no doubt about it. Um, but each and every time, uh, we will put out the complete body worn camera footage within 30 days. Uh, I, we have we've had one officer involved shooting within the last 30 days. That was the traffic pursuit that went from Arlington County to Fairfax County, where the where the shooter in that case was firing shots at. Uh, Arlington County police officers as they were pursuing him, mm-hmm. and then arrived here in Fairfax, got out of his car, and, and fired many shots at Fairfax County police officers. So, all that video footage uh, is going to be released. So, you know, events that happened in the past sometimes inform uh, better and more transparent policy, even within our own organization.
0: Just going back quickly to the Gaysar thing, because I think um, I shouldn't say the Gaysar thing. I mean, he he was tragically killed. Sure. I, I there was a little bit at the time you know, a loss of, of trust uh, with police. And it wasn't necessarily toward your department, but I wonder um, in incidents like that, which, you know, hopefully never happen again, do you think it erodes the trust from your community with your police officers?
1: Well, I think our our nation has been through a lot uh, recently, particularly since the summer of 2020. But I go back really to Ferguson in 2014 with yeah. with Michael Brown. And then after Michael Brown... Uh, the names just roll off the the tip of your tongue, whether it's Freddie Gray or or Eric Garner Mm -hmm. or Laquan McDaniel. All those events really, and I think ultimately, uh, will serve to make us a better, more transparent profession uh, that thinks about using force, particularly deadly force, a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Um, But when the summer of 2020 hit and George Floyd was murdered, that was the moment. So it sometimes results in moments of, of tension, and we saw that throughout the country in 2020, but but ultimately um, communities, particularly black and brown communities, want the police, need the police, they wanna be respected and treated with, with dignity, mm-hmm. but I've never been in, in any minority community, and I've served in majority minority communities for the, for the uh, vast majority of my career. Mm-hmm. I've never been to any community and um, that has told me they they don't want to see the police. They don't want police in their neighborhood. They don't want police cars on their streets. Uh, it's quite the opposite.
0: And is that because you're there because something horrible has happened, or in well, general? I,
1: I think sometimes you know individuals and families and neighborhoods that are in crisis realize that the role of the police department is to protect and, and to be that that entity that stands between you know order and and chaos. Mm-hmm. So I was at a, a one year uh, vigil just a few days ago of Nelson Alexander. If you remember, Nelson Alexander was a 73-year-old man who was shot and killed at an ATM machine in, in Annandale. So Nelson Alexander uh, was killed by a, a young man, uh, I think 15 or 16 at the time. And it, very, very, very tragic, but it, it was an African-American church that I was in uh, just a few days ago, and they they started off their vigil by by speaking directly to the several police officers who were were there, to include me. And they said, we want you, we need you. That's powerful.
0: Very. Wow. Um, I kind of want to take this and, you know, not we usually talk to you about things that are awful to talk about, right? I mean, is, is there something on your radar or is there something maybe you guys are doing, I don't know, around the Halloween holiday or something fun that...
1: Trunk or treat.
0: It's like a good like it's a good police I, so, yeah, story. Yeah, well, I Megan, don't know. I, I
1: ju-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you well, dressing up this year?
1: So I I, I, um, I judged a Halloween decorating contest today. That's <laughs> not gonna make the news or anything, but, but that was that was fun.
0: Did it make you feel bad about how badly your house is decorated compared to theirs? Yes.
1: <laughs> but but no, so the, uh, the the men and women who serve in in this profession, whether they're professional staff or, or sworn, um, need need a boost right now. And is, is, don't we all? Yeah, yeah. We all do. We all do, regardless of your profession. So I don't know if this will one day be looked at as the people are calling it the great resignation mm-hmm.
0: era.
1: Um, and, and certainly, you know, anytime I say to someone that we're having trouble hiring cops, uh, I'll sometimes hear in in, in, a, in, a, in a retort, well, I can't hire waiters. I can't hire construction workers. I, I can't hire, you know, you name it. Yeah. Um, but the difference is when when we're having challenges hiring public safety, whether it's police or fire, that has an impact on the community uh, in in terms of life or death. Mm -hmm. So I'm certainly empathetic to to every profession out there that's that's having challenges hiring people. Uh, I don't know what what everyone's doing. I got four kids in their 20s, and um, there's no no great resignation is allowed in the Davis household. (laughs) (laughs) They all have to be gainfully employed. Full-time in college or gainfully employed. But but I think the country's certainly and even with the traffic congestion um it seems like there's the motorists are back and it seems like rush hours back and it is back but doesn't it i mean yeah. even
0: in the last like month or so it just feels like all of a sudden we're in gridlock again
1: yeah, yeah. and people have to uh, renew their good driving habits yes, but but we do hopefully. a lot with uh we do a lot with our communities uh, we have community outreach officers we have crime prevention officers uh um, we we do a lot with our community and, and we're proud of it just yesterday when we had the 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 near tragedy of the bus bus crash with a drunk school bus driver we Ugh. brought all these kids to the police academy and we're playing tag and 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 you know hide and go seek with them for a couple hours it so,
0: ended up being sort of a cool yeah thing. yeah yeah oh, so I'm glad. It's, uh,
1: but no we we do we do uh, good things every day um, and it, it is the norm it really is but we have to spend or try to find more time to celebrate those moments.
0: Last question is we're coming up on uh, elections. Um, I know, you know, nationally, there's just so much contention. Um, I don't expect that there would be any problems and we haven't seen any. But do police have a role to secure polling places? Is there a plan uh, for Election Day that you guys will play a role in that somehow?
1: There, there, there's definitely a plan. Um, it's uh, We are out of sight and uh, hopefully out of mind unless or until we are needed. Uh, we certainly don't want to establish a presence at any polling sites that can be interpreted by anyone as an intimidating. Right. Um, so that's the last thing we want to do. But but we have assets that, that are nearby. We have plans that are in place. We have extra commanders and supervisors working on these particular days to be able to respond immediately to, to anything uh, from a, a verbal parking dispute to a disruption of some sort that, that hopefully does not happen. Mm-hmm. But we, we take that really, really seriously. Uh, you, you probably saw there was a, a press release from the U.S. Attorney's Office just the other day. Uh, the FBI arrested a man uh, for crimes committed on January 6th at the U.S. Capitol uh, right here in Fairfax County. So our detectives are part of that task force. Mm-hmm. Um, and the U.S. Attorney's Office press release acknowledged our participation. So, um, you know, we, we, are, we are always partnering with people you can't not partner with people in the national capital region we can't do this alone and you know everything you'd have to have me on another hour to talk about the the, (laughs) the ongoing present tense ongoing thursday friday um and saturday protests at the three justices homes who live here in fairfax county so they're peaceful uh they're lawful they're orderly but they still happen every thursday friday and saturday and we still have to dedicate um you know, assets and personnel and make How plans. many
0: officers do you have there if, if you know it's going to be peaceful?
1: It's just a few. It's just a few. And again, they're out of sight, out of mind, but we make contact with the organizers just to make sure they know we're there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, uh, so th- they, they have been peaceful. And, and this all started back on May 9th.
0: I was going to say, how long do you think it's going to go? Or do you have any indication? I,
1: I, I if, if I were a betting person, I would have lost a bet because there's no way I I, I would have bet back in May or June when we were in the heat of that moment that it would still be going on here as we approach the end of October. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it's still does go on. But you know, the way it's happening now, the protesters and and they're typically the same protesters. Uh, they'll take selfies with cops. They'll they'll give us water bottles. They'll shake our hands, um, and, and vice versa. So it's uh, it's peaceful. It's lawful. But it's still another thing, another responsibility that the police have to. Take care of that mm-hmm. not everyone realizes we have to take care of it on, on, on any given day
0: well we're glad you're out there chief kevin davis with the fairfax county police department thank you for coming in and kind of going over what you know really is of concern and something to be celebrated in your community happy halloween, happy halloween. <laughs> and this was a really long show so i'm going to keep our little light part short i'm going to tell you guys my three favorite halloween candy types i guess you would call them. Snickers, Reese's Cup, Almond Joy. I bet you didn't suspect that. Um, I hope you have a great Halloween. Hope your kids don't bring home too much candy that you'll have to drop off at the office on Monday. And we will see you back here next week when Luke returns with me on the DMV Download. We are sponsored, of course, by Steam Theater's Local 602. Our managing editor is Craig Schwab, and our music is by Real World. Leave us a review. Leave us a review and rate our show if you get the chance and follow us on social media where we post content every day from behind the scenes. You can find out more about this podcast and become one of our VIP listeners at dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in D.C., 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com and on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend.